Heavenly Father, your grace is enough. We thank you for what you have done for us through Christ Jesus. Lord, help us um, to be ready in these moments to, um, to receive what we need to from your scriptures this morning. We have heard your word read, Father. It is your word. We know that your word will not return to you void. It, it accomplishes its purpose, and I pray that it would accomplish its purposes in us as we have heard the word of God read this morning. I pray we'd be a people that are humble and able to receive what you have to say to us. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Now, some of the things you heard this morning um, are things like uh, the reality that Jesus Christ was promised in the very beginning of the Word of God because of sin. It was actually God's plan all along to deal with this. Enemy that we have, real enemy. It's still, it's still an issue. We have a very real enemy. A lot of times, our temptation is to make to make other people our enemy, but our enemy is the evil one, and his demons. They are the enemy, and they hang out in shadows, and they're really deceptive, and they they are our accuser. But he is our enemy. But he's a defeated foe through Christ. He was promised through Abraham, and God fulfills his promises that the seed would come forth, that he came and took on flesh. But prior to that, we learn from the Gospel of John that, that Jesus is not merely a man, that Jesus is God incarnate. A very difficult thing to grasp. Fully God and fully man at the same time. How does that make sense? It's very difficult. It takes faith to understand such things. And with human reason, quite frankly, those things are not understandable completely. But who could understand the heart, the mind of God? His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And yet we want to make a God that is like us, something that we can form and control. And yet he is so much more bigger and massiver and more glorious than we could possibly imagine. He's God. And Jesus is this God. He is the promised word we learn from the Gospel of John. Not merely a man, but born through the Virgin Mary. So he's the creator of all things and holds all things together. He can speak a word and it can be so. He can touch and make someone healed. This morning, I want you to come face to face with Jesus. There is so much that we could say about our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. We will not say everything there is to say about who he is. We know this, that he is God, that he created all things, and it's through him that we find the forgiveness of sins and are washed clean by his work. Not our work, but his work. But this morning, as we gaze in the text of Scripture in the book of Matthew, that I'll invite you to turn to in just a few moments, that we'll come face to face to how he deals with people. And when we come face to face with Jesus, something radical happens to us. And something radical happens to those that we present Jesus to. So I want to invite you right now to turn to the gospel of Matthew chapter eight, the gospel of Matthew chapter eight, starting in verse one, Matthew chapter eight. If you go to the middle of your Bible and you open it up, you'll go just a little bit past it. You'll get out of the Old Testament right into the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. 
who is this Jesus? We are going to see the power of God when we read these verses. And we will see how radically he heals people. Why is there a need to heal people? Because we live in a broken and fallen world where sin has entered in and there is hurting and pain and sin. People sin against each other. Our bodies um, die and decay and they're not born perfectly. Our, our bodies were born with like issues. You, no one likes it. No one likes it. Siri. No one likes it. I've told her this so many times. <laughs> So, by the way, it's a fun game to play with Siri sometimes. Siri, what is sin? Anyway, never mind. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. <clears throat> so good. So Matthew chapter 8. Over the last couple of weeks, we've entered this new series. We call it Roots, Essential Truths. And a lot of it will also be with kind of dealing with our own church philosophy and things like that. But some basic truths. We looked at the issue of grace just a couple of weeks ago and how radical grace is and how necessary grace is for us to know Jesus. Grace is amazing, friends. And you and I needed it. If, any, if there was anyone who needed grace, it was me and it was you. It was, we, we can't just like, we just come. We need God to do something radical in our, in our dark hearts. We need grace. And just a week ago, we looked at the whole issue of the Word of God in Scripture. What there is to how to think about the Word of God. That the Word of God is God-breathed. It's from God. He gives it to us in His Scriptures. These 66 books. He didn't address every single thing there is to possibly know about how the canon came together. But to tell you this, people of God know that this is the Word of God. This is what we submit to. And this is how we know how to, how to live by faith and do what God says. In very simple terms. We know that there are traditions, but every tradition that we experience in our life, we need to weigh it against the Word of God. And so now we come, we come to Jesus Himself. I want you to see Jesus and see the power of Jesus and see that He is a God who can actually just heal someone. And the story that we're going to look to in just a moment, we're going to see Him come face to face with someone who does not want to be, well that others don't want to be around and don't want to touch. Um, some issue with something that you... Uh, are there things in your world that you just don't like, that are gross to you, that you can't touch? Because I have those things. There um, is something in my life, something dark, something scary, that I don't ever want to touch. And that thing is called a spider. For some reason, my wife, whenever there's the, a, a spider in our house or on the wall, and they're kind of a mystery, aren't they? They just show up and they're on the ceiling or they're on the wall or they're crawling across the ground. You're like, where did, the, how did this get in? How did, and then it's big and you're like, how did this dog get into my house? Now, I'm so terrified of these things. I don't want to touch them. I'm disgusted by them. I think they're gross. Okay, maybe I'm just like a big chicken. I realize I'm bigger to them, but they are terrifying. Have you looked closely at them? 
eight eyes or more, or whatever. Probably 30 eyes. I don't know. I'm not a spider ex expert. The strength of like a thousand times their body size. What I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a I'm not a botanist. Actually, right? I'm not a bio agriculture guy who knows bugs and plants. But there's. But my wife, when she sees them, she's like, "Hey, look, you're the man." So I'm I'm the man now. I'm the man. Because that dog came into the house and you need to kill it. And I, and I, for some reason, when you go to grab like a paper to like smash it, it like knows it. Like there's something in its head that says, Doo -doo -doo, and it heard the roll on the paper towel in the kitchen and it like, it stops and it knows that Israel's coming. And then mysteriously, when I go to hit it, to smash it on the wall with shaking hand, it like can crawl up here. How is that? And my says that I play patty cake with it because I don't hit it hard enough and it just like falls down, runs away. And I'm like, eh. But they're gross to me. I don't like being the first one outside the door on a Monday morning going to school, taking the kids to school. And because I'm the first one out the door, somehow mysteriously and wonder wonderfully, a spider can like make this rope go across from the doorway when you go out the front door. And my head is at the perfect height where it's going to hit my hair. Every single day. Like, you don't see it. You're like, it's clear. And then, boom, it hits you, and you're, like, trying to rip this thing out of your head. I don't, for you, maybe it's, it's camping toilets. But you just want nothing to do with that. I don't know. The dark hole into the abyss. The upside down world. I don't know. Like, it's, it, you're, you don't like that. But the man who was going to come face to face with Jesus had his own experience with things, um, with people not wanting to touch him or come near him because he had leprosy. You know, just recently in the news, it was only on for like a day. I imagine that the powers that be were able to influence or get a lawyer and make it get off the news just like that. But there was a, a case where a young person um, caught a flesh-eating disease, some form of leprosy. Uh, and it's horrible. They could treat it now, like we know some things. But this kid caught it, in, 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 on his hand from like a football helmet or something, right? From Phil. It's, it's it is crippling and horrific. Okay. And no one wanted to touch this guy. He's ethnically Jewish, and the people around him want nothing to do with with this. Jews, in particular hated leprosy. If there was something they hated and didn't want to be around, it was leprosy. There was no known cure. It was very infrequently healed miraculously. May have been, I don't know. And so they were terrified about it. What it meant is if you had leprosy, this is what it meant. You could not be in the key community. You were expelled because someone could catch it. It was like poison in the water well in the community. You could, you could spread it to everyone and wipe everyone out. So you were expelled from the community. You could not be around them. And you were ceremonially unclean, which had ramifications in of itself. So you weren't doing business with friends or whatever, you know, seeing them at temple or, uh, uh, you know, in life, in the, the, the area. It had all these horrible ramifications. You certainly probably were not going to be married. No one was going to be, want to be married to you if you were a leper from a young age and now expelled from the community. We're going to see a guy come face to face with Jesus, and there's some things I want you to notice. Number one, I want you to see the community of the guy. 
notice his, his very interesting posture when he comes in front of Jesus. He's not standing, but he's kneeling. Number two, I want you to notice this, that Jesus, for some reason, he doesn't just speak it and heal him. When Jesus is God, he could just speak it and the guy could be healed, and he doesn't do that. Instead, he actually, the scripture says, he touches him. Why does Jesus touch him? Thirdly, not not only does Jesus touch him, not only does this guy have a sort of humble posture, sort of, but 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 thirdly, we see that that Jesus is going to send him out quietly. Let me back up. Thirdly, it's not just going to send him out. That's, thirdly, he's going to he's going to be healed instantly. The word used there is immediate, immediately. And that word is used quite a bit in the Gospel of Matthew. Instantaneous. Fourthly, it's not just instantaneous. He's sent away quietly. Now, if you've read the Bible a little bit, you have seen where Jesus has sent people away quietly, where they don't go and talk a lot about what Jesus had done. Why is that? No, in, in connection with that, he's actually going to be sent to a priest, and he's going to go prove that he's healed. Why is, why is he going to be sent to the priest to go prove that he's, he's different? What does that do for him? What's the priest going to think when he sees this? Is he going to bear witness to something? And if so, what is it? So Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We read the word of God. Starting in verse 1. When he came down from the mountain... Great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean, he says. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Do you see this? One of the first things we see is we see a guy coming to Jesus who is a leper. And he comes and he, in a very humble state, it says he knelt before Jesus. It doesn't sound like he reached out and touched him. He like knew his place. He knew he was unclean. He humbly kneels before the Son of God and is pleading, if you will, kill me. Man, I, you know, if there's anything that, that should humble us, friends, it is the knowledge of, um, of our sin. It should be the knowledge of the leprosy of our sin. Can we be a people who are humbled that, that we are leprous, maybe not physically, but we have a dark heart and sin nature? And God had to do something to that for us to say yes to Jesus. It's something radical. You know, I, I want to... I want to read something to you. I think it's eye-opening. This, this is uh, I, I heard uh, Dr. tell this story once, and it was just overwhelming. It gave me an amazing um, understanding and, and 
it just challenged my understanding of the depravity inside of me. When he tells a story of a, uh, of a, a journalist, and I'm going to read his version. This is what he said. One story by a part is told Malcolm Muggeridge. Let's see if I can get in the right position here. Working as a journalist in India, he left his residence one evening to go to a nearby river for a swim. As he entered the water across the river, he saw an Indian woman from the nearby village who had come to have her bath. Muggeridge explosively felt the allurement of the moment, and temptation stormed into his mind. He had lived with this kind of struggle for years, but had somehow fought it off in honor of his commitment to his wife, Kitty. On this occasion, however, he wondered if he could cross the line of marital fidelity. He struggled just for a moment and then swam furiously toward the woman, literally trying to outdistance his conscience. His mind fed him the fantasy that stolen waters would be sweet and swam the harder for it. Now he was just two or three feet away from her, and as he emerged from the water, any emotion that may have gripped him paled into insignificance when compared with the devastation that shattered him as he looked at her. She was old and hideous and her skin was wrinkled, and worst of all, she was a leper. This creature grinned at me, showing a toothless mask. The experience left Muggridge trembling and muttering under his breath, what a dirty, lecherous woman. But then the rude shock of it dawned upon him, it was not the woman who was lecherous. It was his own heart. Dear brothers and sisters, and we want to understand grace, and we want to know how amazing Jesus is, and how forgiving he is, and how in desperate need you and I are of Jesus, the Son of God. Then we need to be humbled at our very sin nature and the leprousness of it. It is so ugly. And this, this example, man, has blown my, my, my heart and my mind at times as I've pondered how ugly sin. Some, there are things that we may long for or want that are kind of deep, hidden darknesses in us. And they come out, and if we see them for what they are, they're horrifying. They're absolutely horrifying. So this man comes to Jesus, and he's on his knee. He totally knows his state, right? He knows his state, and, um, and Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't just speak it. He actually touches him. In his community, no one, no one wants to touch this guy. He's an untouchable guy. He's kicked out of the community. Why does he touch him? Because Jesus can actually wild. Jesus can touch him and be the one who heals him, heals this man, and still remain clean. That is amazing because everyone else in the community, if they were to touch him, they become ceremonially unclean. And yet he, he heals him and he remains clean. It's absolutely profound. 
Jesus is God. What do we see about Jesus? He is God. He is all-powerful. He's able to heal us. It says this later in the Gospel of Matthew, right here in chapter 8. He said, He took our illnesses and bore our disease, quoting the Scriptures. Jesus took, took on our sin, friends, and nailed it to the cross. If you're here today and you're exploring Christianity, like I want you to understand something that we hear a lot about um, as Christians. That Jesus took our, our disease, which is sin, and it was crucified on the cross. He took our guilt when he was not guilty and made us clean. This picture of this guy being restored to immediately being healed is a picture of the power of God working in us. When you and I did not know him, we were a leper. And when he comes and he touches you, he touches our leper's heart. We are made clean. We are not just forgiven, but we are washed clean. Conversation after conversation I have with people, they usually are struggling with their cleanliness and feel like they're not clean enough for God. And let me tell you something about this that our Bible says this week. Look, you can never work hard enough to be clean enough. And there's so many of us, we look at people around us and we think, if I just did what they did, I wouldn't be so dirty. But because I did my really, really dirty. And I would say if you, if I understand that temptation, but the reality is if you're struggling with that, you just don't totally understand grace and that's okay. I want you to understand the power and the, the work that Jesus did for you. He not only, he not only washes away sin, he makes you clean so that you are no longer dirty, but you are clean. You are no longer untouchable like a, like a, like a leper. You are actually touchable. Because what's going to happen after this is this guy is going to go in silence. He's going to tell him not to, not to tell everyone. And the reason why Jesus tells him not to tell everyone is because he doesn't want everyone coming just for the big show. Do people show up for the show when Jesus shows? Absolutely. But he's keeping it secret because it's just like it, people are going to go crazy for him, right? And yet when he's crucified, they're all going to like flee from him. Because there's people that aren't really there yet. They've heard some stuff. They've seen some healings. But they're not totally there yet. So he sends him quietly. That's why he sends him quietly. And he goes to tell the priest. This guy, the leper, tells the priest, this is what has Because Jesus, the one who is the healer to come, has shown up. And the priest should know better now that the Messiah has actually come. So, brothers and sisters, we need to understand our sin, that it is leper's but if we come face to face with Jesus, we understand that he can cleanse us and he does cleanse us completely. And we don't need to look around and see people and go, I wish I only did what they did. Because if you knew what I did, Israel, then you would really know dirty. Dude, most everyone in this room struggles with that. And the reality is if you looked around and said, I haven't done anything that bad, then you struggle with Phariseeism. You struggle with legalism. I do good enough, and God accepts me. I wash myself up, and God accepts me. He can't really wash too much off of me because I'm not that dirty. No, dude, we are leprous. Consider the evidence of our leprosy. I don't have to know everyone here, but I know this, that in every room, every household, there are difficulties. Are there not? Why is it that our marriages struggle? Why is it that we get really upset with each other and have things that we can't work out with one another? 
But sometimes we don't totally see eye to eye. And, and then when the old man comes out, we don't just get cranky. The level of our voice goes really high. Or the physical nature of us takes over and we like slam something on the ground. Or whatever. Maybe that's not you. You don't throw anything on the ground. You don't yell. You just stuff it for five years down the road so that it blows out of you like a rocket ship. And then it's a chair out the window. Or you're yelling. You want to see, you want to see the evidence of telepathy? How do we parent our kids? One way is to say, hey, look, guys, I do this perfectly. There is nothing wrong with the way I do it. I do it righteously and correctly. Do you realize that we all have blind spots that we cannot see because of sin? And so we, we, we get upset with our kids when we're disciplining them. But we discipline kids when we're upset. And not because we want to correct them, but because we were mad or because we're embarrassed by what they did. If we get embarrassed by what we did and aren't thinking of how we can just correct them and disciple them, then there's something in us. There's something in our heart that needs attention from the touch of Jesus. It's not the ch the child has stuff to learn, but it's us. That's why the old man comes out and wants to like scream and yell at a kid just because they do something that's childish. Or they do, or we think that they're supposed to do something correct in our minds and they don't do it because we haven't even communicated it to them. Don't you know you're not supposed to like take something out of your sister's hand? Like we never even taught them that. We just like smack them for it. There are reasons behind why we um, have a leper's heart. It's because we have a sin nature. The things in our past that sort of creep in and are, are difficult for us. I was telling one of the guys today, hey, look, like we were talking about like sin and and sometimes people don't believe me that like I ha like I, I struggle with sin, which is insane. Do you realize like pastors struggle with sin too, right? Like everyone struggles with sex, power, or money. Everybody. And for some, it's all three. Very elevated. Everybody. It's because of sin. And I was telling him, hey, when I was a kid, there was a couple things that happened that sort of produced in me um, something that could kind of explode, like an anger. I was new to a junior high school. I was in se halfway through seventh grade, had moved from Anaheim to Lake Elsinore. And I was getting my lunch one day, and I, I met my neighbor. I met a couple of kids, totally different neighborhood, kind of a rough neighborhood, very uh, rural you wonder, how can rural place be tough? Well, there was a couple meth labs that blew up on my street, literally exploded into the sky. And I was always like, as a kid, why did those catch on fire like that and blow up? That was weird. Be careful with that stove. But then I grew up. Wow. No wonder there was 20 guys coming in and out of there all day or whatever. And I was in line, and I got my, my pizza, junior high, right? You're, you're still just a kid. You're not real street smart. You don't know much about life. You don't know how to handle yourself. You don't even know how to protect yourself if you need to. You don't understand boundaries with other people. And you might not think anything's bad going to happen. And then it does. 
So I get my pizza and I'm like walking to the new kid, right? Don't know anyone. And there's sort of like this, like, uh, there's this crew of kids that, that, um, someone was trying to earn some stripe. And he rolled, like, I'm grabbing it and he walks by and he like takes it and starts eating it. And like friends that are laughing. And I was telling Carl earlier, I was like, dude, you know, like, let me tell you what that did to me. He's like, dude, did you get him? I was like, no, I didn't get him. I was actually shocked. When you're seventh grade and that happens, if it hasn't happened before, you're just shocked. And you don't know what to do. And kids do stupid things. But I'm like, Carl, what do you think that did in my heart? This is what it did. So if someone does something to me, it's like, you want to take my pizza? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what produces a drive in me? Where, where will sin come out if someone's going to mistreat me? It, it goes back to things like that. Like, dude, I'm not going to let someone take my pizza again. But the thing is, like, you have that too. You're like, dude, you're not taking my pizza. Or whatever it is, or you're not going to steal my bike. Like, you learned from that. Maybe it, maybe it was in junior high or elementary and someone, like, was walking in the hall and they, like, bumped you real hard and your books fell down. And you're a kid and you're sort of, you're not innocent. You're a dark-hearted sinner. But you're sort of innocent. You don't know about that stuff. You're a dark-hearted you don't You don't really know. And, and you're like, maybe you're mistreated. And that, like, has this impact on you, like. Dude, I can't let anyone do that again. So then you grow up and you're 35 and people don't understand why you're really irritable at work or someone or really defensive. And the road was just some, something happened to you. And then what producing that, what produced, what it produced in you was sin. You know, it's so, it all goes back. Oh my goodness. It all goes back to the book of Genesis where, where God warns, he warns the brothers. Well, he warns, um, he warns Cain, and he says, Cain, sin is crouching at the door for you, but you must master it. Look, I just want you to understand that you have a leprous, dark heart. Now, I realize in saying that you need to understand some really good theology here, that when you are saved by Jesus Christ, you are no longer a sinner, that you are a saint. That's the way the Bible describes you. Do you know that? You don't want to walk around telling your fellow brothers and sisters, you sinner. You're actually called a saint. You're actually called um, clean because of who Jesus is. You were once lost. You are now found. You were once dark-hearted. Now you are, you are clean. You once had no peace, and now you have peace through Jesus Christ. Now, your experience says, like, well, I don't always have all that. Yeah, of course. You have the, the struggle of sin in you still. However, you are clean. But I want you to understand that like those propensities are still there and those dangers are there and those things come up and then the old man comes out and then it's like, dude, you're not taking my pizza. Do you hear me? I want you to hear that. But oh, know this. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And the scripture says, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Know this. When you come face to face with Jesus, guys, we see Jesus for who he is. He cleans you instantaneously. So what do you do with this, brothers and sisters? You need to walk with him. See you walk with him in obedience, turning from sin. 